and welcome to another episode of Wealth Planning Illuminated. I am your host, Teresa Marks, a senior wealth strategist at CIBC Private Wealth in the U.S. I am joined today by my colleague, Daniel Blaustein, a certified financial planner at CIBC Private Wealth. In today's episode, Daniel and I will discuss the several considerations that may help you determine how best to fund your lifestyle once you're in retirement. This is part four in our four-part series focused on retirement planning. Okay, let's get started. In our last couple of podcasts, Daniel, we've talked about all of the all of the planning we need to do leading up to retirement, whether we're in our 20s and 30s or we're a little bit closer to retirement. So I think now we should talk about how do we spend in retirement? So we're assuming now somebody has retired and they need to start pulling on their assets in order to maintain their living expenses. And and I think when clients ask this question, a lot of times we're thinking about it in terms of the different buckets of money in terms of where to start pulling assets from. So maybe you could start by helping us understand what are the different places where people might be looking to, to pull money out of in retirement. It's a great question. The most obvious one is you're still going to be having some form of current income usually. There might be a little bit of a gap period, but you've got social security. Some people have pensions. You might get a part-time job or have an annuity stream. So you'll still have some money flowing into the plan, and that's going to obviously help fund any of your initial expenses. You know, Also, when you hit 72, that's when your RMDs start. An RMD is a required minimum distribution from your pre-tax accounts. So whether it's your IRA or your employer-sponsored plans, you've put in pre-tax money, and when you hit 72, the IRS says, all right, you've gone long enough. It's time to pay up. Mm -hmm. And I think it's mindful just to note that previously the RMD age was 70 70 and a half. And there's even Mm -hmm. discussions now about bumping it back to 75. So wherever it starts, that is going to be a source of income that you're going to have to start taking. But just be mindful that it's not money flowing into the plan. It's you taking money out of your retirement account and bringing it over onto the, the income side of things. It's almost like a forced distribution from a particular bucket. Correct. So what are some of the other buckets that we should be thinking about? So along with your cash flow, you've also got taxable investments. So you can think of these as more, your more liquid assets, cash, savings, money market accounts, but then also things like your brokerage accounts, your TOD accounts. Along with the taxable investments, you've also got pre-tax investments. So your IRA, your 401k, your 403b, those retirement plans that you've never paid taxes on. And again, at 72, currently, when you start taking them out, that's when that income tax bill is going to come due. And then you've also got your Roth bucket. So that's your tax-free assets. You've already paid taxes because you're putting in after-tax money into that account. And so whenever you draw money off of that, there's no income tax uh, implications. So the different buckets presumably have different implications for how we pull assets from them. So what do we need to understand about the difference between maybe pulling something from a taxable account versus something from taking it from a Roth account or, you know, that type of account? That's exactly right. First and foremost, if you're sitting on a sizable cash account, whether it's a savings or money market account, obviously there's no tax implications for using that. If you have to sell assets from your investment account, that's a brokerage account, those taxable investments, you're going to be paying, if it's sold at a gain, capital gains rates on that. So the 
capital gains rates are lower than your income tax rates, but there still is a tax consequence to pulling assets off of that account if you sell at a gain. In your and that, that's in a non-retirement account, right? A kind of a more typical non-retirement, non-IRA, non-401k account. Yes, ma'am. That's exactly right. When you start getting into those retirement accounts, from a pre-tax standpoint, you're going to be paying ordinary income tax rates on any money that you withdraw because you've never paid taxes on that. So that's going to be typically the biggest tax hit that you're going to experience. Then those Roth accounts, like I mentioned before, you've already paid taxes on it. So any money that you're pulling out of a Roth account, that's not going to have any bearing on your tax bill. I do think it's important to note that, as we mentioned in some of the earlier podcasts, if you have employer matching, so let's say I've invested in a 401k Roth account, my money's going into the Roth account that I'm contributing but then there's a pre-tax account that those employer contributions are going into. So if I'm taking withdrawals from the employer matching side of things, that gets treated like the pre-tax bucket. So it is subject to ordinary income rates. So, you know, given the fact that different accounts have different implications, you know, how does somebody decide um, where to pull assets from? I mean, is it mostly a tax decision? Is there, is there more that goes into it? I think it can be sometimes hard to, to decide, okay, what's the best for me? And, and my guess is that a lot of it is an, you know, kind of a person by person and, and maybe even sometimes year to year decision about where some of these assets come. So can you kind of give us some, some considerations or things we should keep in mind as making that, when, when making that individual decision? That's a great question. And it's really easier if you're able to look at each individual scenario because now I have a set of assumptions and rules that I can see because your plan is different than my plan. But generally speaking, you wanna keep a solid nest egg. It's a very common term, rainy day fund, whatever you call it, in retirement. And there's different assumptions about what the right number is, but you want in liquidity roughly around a year's worth of expenses, roughly. Some people say six to nine months. Some people say two years. That's why I think a year is just a safe number. If you have a lot more assets and cash over that, that's just an easy place to start because, again, there's really no tax implications. Outside of that, you know, if your taxable income is low, it gives you a little bit of wiggle room. Because now I can say, well, I can pull money off of my pre-tax accounts up to a certain threshold. We know about the tax brackets. And I can dictate how much money I'm drawing from my pre-tax accounts, getting myself up to an income level that I'm comfortable with. So, you know, you look at currently right now, and obviously tax brackets change, but if you're single and making $100,000 or you're married making $200,000, that's going to put you in the 24% tax bracket. Again, that can change over time. But what you also want to be mindful of is the effective tax rate you're paying because we have a progressive tax system in America. And so you're getting taxed a lower amount on your first money that you make. And then as you make more and more, that tax rate increases on that next bracket. And so someone who's making $100,000 if you're single or $200,000 if you're married, the effective tax rate's actually in the mid-teens. So if that's something you're comfortable with, you can pull up, you can have that much taxable income and you're still at a relatively friendly tax rate over the whole amount of money. If that gets to a little bit of discomfort for you, that's when you would want to start looking at the taxable bucket 
because now any money that I have to draw off of that is going to be taxed at those capital gains rates. And that's only if it's sold at a gain. So you can really work with your advisor and say, well, can I marry gains with losses? Can I look at specific tax lots from this holding where I can minimize my tax liability exposure? So that's where you start looking and talking with your advisor if you're going to be pulling money from your taxable investments. And then, you know, if you have a lot of income coming in. One way to mitigate that is you can look to your Roth account and say, I've got a lot of income. I don't really want to increase my tax liability. I really think that it makes a lot of sense for me to pull from my Roth account. Now, I will say I grew up, my father always raised me on the expression, you can't have something for nothing. And so I think it's very important to be mindful that outside of just income taxes, there are implications for pulling these types of assets. So especially on a Roth account, that's tax-free money. You've already paid the taxes. It tends to be the best inheritable assets for the next generation. So if you're pulling right. money off of that account, you're leaving less of the best assets for your kids and your grandkids. Now, that's the kind of balancing act that we have. And on an individual basis, we can talk to the clients and assess what makes the most sense for them. But it's just being mindful of not only the income tax consequences, but also the legacy planning consequences of those decisions. So it's really looking at those buckets. I feel like even almost, you know, year to year in terms of thinking about, hey, where's the liquidity, right? Maybe there's some liquidity in those taxable investment accounts, but there's not a lot of liquidity in your savings account and kind of making sure that you know, you know, what what the right place to pull. And then ultimately make sure you know what that means for your income tax return and working with your accountant as well as your advisor um, to really figure out, you know, you know, how do I meet my, my, my obligations? So you're spending obligations, but also those RMD obligations you met. I mean, to some extent, you know, with those RMDs, we don't have a lot of flexibility in what has to come out of that traditional IRA or traditional 401k. But once we've pulled that out, we, I think we have a lot of flexibility. And where does it make the most sense to, to start pulling those assets from? I think you hit the nail on the head. All right. So really for somebody in retirement, it's it's really all about, you know, again, kind of having done all of the saving, all of the work leading up to retirement. Unfortunately, the work's not done. I think, you know, the work really kind of continues to say, okay, know where your buckets are, really know the consequences and think about them each time you need to make a withdrawal order to, to maintain your lifestyle. That's exactly right. And that's why we always advise, let's keep our eye on the ball. Let's rerun this on an annual basis and make sure if there's any big changes that have happened, we can adjust accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Wealth Planning Illuminated. We hope you found this topic interesting and that you will continue to explore the variety of wealth planning topics available to you on this channel. Thank you and have a great day. CIBC Private Wealth Management includes CIBC National Trust Company, CIBC Delaware Trust Company, CIBC Private Wealth Advisors Incorporated, all of which are wholly owned subsidiaries of CIBC Private Wealth Group LLC and the private banking division of CIBC Bank USA. All of these entities are wholly owned subsidiaries of Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce. This document is intended for informational purposes only, and the material presented should not be construed as an offer or recommendation to buy or sell any security. Concepts expressed are current as of the date of this publication only may change without notice. Such concepts are the opinions of our investment professionals, many of whom are chartered financial analyst charter holders or certified financial planner professionals. 
Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards Incorporated owns the certification marks CFP and Certified Financial Planner in the U.S. There is no guarantee that these views will come to pass. Past performance does not guarantee future comparable results. The tax information contained herein is general and for informational purposes only. CIBC Private Wealth Management does not provide legal or tax advice, and the information contained herein should only be used in consultation with your legal, accounting, and tax advisors. To the extent that information contained herein is derived from third-party sources, although we believe the sources to be reliable, we cannot guarantee their accuracy. The CIBC logo is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Investment products are not FDIC insured, may lose value, and are not bank guaranteed.